of your life. And if you look at your life, God has a timing and a place for everything that He has planted. E.G. Marsh made a statement many years ago. He says, God's clock keeps perfect time. God's clock keeps perfect time. I want to share with you a story. There's a preacher that was out in the state of California, Roger Falk. And he had a um, online uh, sermon type that he was bringing out to people. And he had worked for some years. And then he, he just felt that God was calling him to sail uh, up the Pacific North Territory. And uh, so he had moved, shut the ministry down. There's a lady that had been listening to his sermons. And she became very depressed. And she had moved away from her relationship with God. And she was sitting in her recliner one day. And she said, I just wish I could talk to Pastor Falk. I wish I could communicate with him. I wish there was a way that I could call him. And she said that this phone number came to mind. Now at the time that she was having this conversation with God, Pastor Falk and his family were traveling through the Midwest. They were on vacation and his wife turned to him and she said, You know, I need to just stop and stop by a place to get something to drink. And so they stopped in and get some refreshments at the gas station. And one of the old telephone booths was out there. And he said, I'm going to get out and stretch my legs. And he walks by the phone booth. And the phone is ringing. Now this lady felt impressed to call the number that was in her mind. Which was that phone booth. Okay. He said, that's right, that, that doesn't happen. It did that. And he heard the phone ring in. He thought, well, there's no one after you. I guess I'll just answer He picked it up. He said, hello. And on the other end of the voice, the operator says, I'm, I'm looking for a Reverend Roger Falk. He said, excuse me? She said, I'm looking for a Reverend Roger Falk. I had a person-to-person call. He said, well, this is Roger Falk, but how in the world do you know me? And he's looking around. And she said, well, you accept this call. I said, yes, I'd be glad to. And over the next two minutes, God helped Pastor Falk to help this lady come back into a personal relationship with Christ. God's timing is perfect. It's perfect in every one of our lives. And there are times that God plants us places where we need to be to minister to other people. I believe God is faithful, and I will follow Him. Verse 10 says, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. I have made everything beautiful in His time. I have also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet not one fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. If I believe God is faithful, I will follow Him. I was serving as a trauma chaplain for a hospital up in northern Ohio. and received a phone call about 2 o'clock in the morning. The nurses stationed from the fifth floor called me. They said, 
Uh, they called me father because it was a Catholic hospital, and I was in the process of my staff, so they thought I was a priest. So I there I was Father Clemens. <laughs> and they said, uh, Father, we need you to come. They said, we've got a, a man that's, that's dying very, very soon, and his heart is home. So I'd like to. So I rushed up to the hospital. When I walked down the hall, the daughter was leaning against the wall, sobbing. And I walked up, and I said, Ma'am, how can I help? She said, My dad's in this room here. She said, There's been three ministers that have come in. Every time they come in, he slips into unconsciousness. But right now, he wants to talk to a minister. And she said, I want you to know he doesn't know anything about God. It's okay. So I slipped in, and he's got all the support equipment on. He's got the mask on, tubes are everywhere. And uh, I said, Bud, I'm Pastor Irving. How can I help you? And he said, I need to pray. And God helped me to lead him in a prayer of repentance. And as I was praying, the tears were flowing. And God gloriously saved him in that moment. Now, over the next 10 minutes, I, I noticed some tension developing. And so I asked the daughter if I could talk to her for a moment, and she stepped out in the hall, and she said, I know you probably felt just some different feelings in here. She said, you have to know. She was in her 50s. She said, you have to know that I haven't been in his life since I was in third grade. He walked away. He's lived in the streets. He's been an alcoholic. That's all he's known. And she said, we're really struggling. And God helped us to minister to the family. The very next night, he passed away. I slid back into the room. And the family was out in the hall, and his body was still in the room. And I laid my hands on his feet. And I said, God, thank you. He's never going to pay tithes to any church. He's never going to be part of a small group. He's never going to do anything for you from this earth's perspective. But because of your faithfulness, you have accepted me into your family. We don't stand on our own merit. God is leading. Are you following? Are you following His direction in your life? Sometimes in the workplace, it can be challenging. Um, several years ago, my wife and I was in Outback Steakhouse. And uh, we were sitting there waiting for our food, and I looked at her and I said, I want God to plant me somewhere where I can be used of Him. Having no idea what words have just come out of my mouth. And God did exactly that. Of the 12 co-workers that I work with, every single one of them has served time in federal prison. One of them served 20 years for murdering his own wife. I said, God, really? I mean, you, sh you sure? By the way, if you ever come to my work and decide you're going to do anything hazardous to me, I would not encourage it. <laughs> but God planted me there. And I look back and I say, that was a God-ordained event. And I remember one morning, I believe it was on a Monday morning, it was very cold last winter. And one of my pastoral colleagues posted on Facebook, 
I got to work and I had the heat blowing because I was going to get myself as warm as I could get myself before I walked in the doors because the outside temperature was about the same as the inside temperature in that area. And I wasn't all that, all that excited about the cold. And you posted on Facebook and I'm sitting there just a few minutes before time for me to go in. He's got a picture of a book and it's got his house slippers and then a fireplace. And he said, it's just one of those kind of Monday mornings. <laughs> and I'm getting ready to go in and rub shoulders with a, a room full of ex-cons. And I got out of the car and turned off that Facebook and I just started laughing. And I said out loud, God, thank you that I'm here. Was, was that pastor in God's will? Absolutely. Because he's going to read and study and God's going to give him information he can share. But we had got to be certain that we are in the center of the will of God. If I believe God is faithful, I will follow him. No, no matter where that leads me. The year was 2005. And I found myself in the hospital with two massive blood clots in my lungs and 45 blood clots in my right leg. And I said, God, what in the world? I was passionate in church. I was, I was a chaplain. I had a busy schedule. Life was going, and it stopped. It absolutely stopped. I called my district leader. I told him to get the, the pastors praying. And I'm going somewhere with this, but my parents were pastoring the church about five hours away. They rushed over. I was in intensive care. And the hospital staff brought in a couple of chairs for them to sit down. And in walks one of my closest colleagues in the ministry, who was a pastor and an assistant Marie Consuelo. She walked in to have pray, have, have prayer with me. As she walked out, my father made a pretty strong statement. He said, there is a presence about that woman. And from that day, I began to think about that statement. You see, every one of us, every person in this room, carries a presence into a room when you walk into it. Now here's a here's a private or personal with you, okay? In your workspace, whether you're a housewife or you're a CFO for a corporation, what is the presence that you carry? Solomon talks a lot about the foolishness and the vanity of life. But in this scripture setting, he just lays it out. He says, God has given, He has given us the opportunity to work. You know. What are you doing, and what am I doing with my workspace? People around you, uh, you are impacting in some way. And I, I think some of it comes down to our determination, what we really want to do. I'm really as skinny as I want to be right now. I have a six-pack. Unfortunately, you can't see it right now. Uh, 
And you know, we paid a lot of money for a membership to, to go to the health club. And uh, I even had my keys, I had the, the little thing you put on it for your ID. I had it right here, but I had not checked it here. Right? Now here's the strongest thing I'm going to say to you personally this morning. You are as spiritual as you want to be right now. You are. Because if you and I want to be a Billy Graham of this day, we will be. If we want to be mediocre, we will be. If we want to be detached, we will be. If we want to be totally plugged in to Winnebago Hills Wesley Church, we will be. There's opportunities. You heard it this morning. You'll hear it every Sunday morning. There's opportunities to plug in. If I believe God is faithful, then I will follow Him. What does that look like in my life and your life? Look at the past. Look at God's history of His faithfulness. It should make us stand up and say, I want to do all I can for the kingdom of God. If I believe God is good, I will enjoy Him. Someone says, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. National studies tell us in the corporate workplace that the average employee stays at his place of employment for three years. So the days of someone working for a corporation for 30 plus years are, are pretty small. What does that have to say to us? There's something to be said about contentment. Contentment is really when I desire what I already have. When I'm just happy with, with, with where I am and what God has given me. I believe the scripture setting really causes us to do some self-reflect and say, what am I doing with where I'm at? If I believe that God is that God is good, then I will just enjoy Him. I had a youth speaker come to a church I was passionate in Indiana several years ago, and uh, we were standing on the platform and uh, they were having a prayer time, and he did something I thought was really interesting. Of course, in that church, it was there custom that when one person prayed, everybody prayed. And so I'm standing here, and he's over here, and he begins to pray. And he says, man, God, wasn't that awesome? Didn't we have a great ride up here? And I'm like, he's talking like God is right there. And then I thought to myself, well, well he is. What was he doing? He was absolutely enjoying his relationship with God. It was real, it was authentic, it was just the real deal. He was enjoying God. If I believe that God is good, I will enjoy Him. There is a statement that I kind of put some words to probably 20 years ago, and I still believe them to be true today. And it's just simply this. I cannot worship who I do not trust.
And I cannot trust who I do not know. I cannot worship who I do not trust. And I cannot trust who I do not know. And to enjoy God, and to really worship God, we must trust Him. But to trust Him, we have to first know Him. Pastor Tom could say this, along with anyone else who has served in any role of ministry, you're going to have people that will come to you, and they're going to lash out at God, but they have no relationship with God. There is no way, there is no way to worship God if you don't know Him and you don't trust Him. When Mr. Football Player sitting in the front row was a whole lot smaller as of maybe less than a year old, I was at church and I had a bunch of books in my hands and uh, I was getting out of the vehicle going into the church and I heard these words, Daddy, catch. And I turned around and he was in midair jumping out of that van. He had not the slightest doubt that I was going to catch him. And I pray he doesn't do that today. Because <laughs> I won't. And there have been times in my life that I've said to God, Daddy, catch. Yet I was falling. I remember back during the Great Depression, the one that I had. We've all, we've all had them, haven't we? Those low spots. When all you can do is say, Oh God, I need you. And then somewhere through the clouds, He comes and He helps and He leads. If I want to worship God, then I must trust Him. If I'll trust Him, He'll do some amazing things. Amazing things. I'm sharing a few stories for one reason because Jesus told them, so that means I can. Okay. When I was a chaplain um, at a hospital. This played itself out to be very real, and um, I'm wrapping up here. But I was called on a Tuesday night to come and to speak to a group of people. The husband had just slumped over. He was in a business meeting. And the family was very blunt up front with me. They had no regard for God. And I was somehow trying to minister to this family through this time of loss. We were in the emergency department. We slipped into a little counseling room. And I walked into about 15 people that were irate. One of the sons had punched a hole in the wall. The doctor walked in and tried to attack him. It wasn't a very good day. And I did my best to try to minister to them. But they wanted nothing to do with prayer, nothing to do with any help, with anything we could offer. Wanted nothing to do. The next night, I was called to the same room. A lady passed away. And I walked in, in my mind, expecting the same results. A beautiful African-American family sitting there. I walked in and sat down at the end of the table. At the other end of the table was the, was the uh, mother of his daughter that had passed away. And uh, all was 
quiet. I began to explain all that we tried to do to save their daughter um, to no avail. And this was the words that came out of her mouth. She folded her hands, with her hands on the conference table, and she said, God is good all the time. How do you do that? How do you do that? When you trust God and you believe that He's in control, you just roll it over on Him. Because God's goodness is not based upon the good times, the bad times. There's stress at work. There is. In the workplace, it can be tense. You could say, God, where are you in the midst of all this? But when we take our hands off and let him lead and direct our lives, he does some things that are pretty amazing. When other people are stressful and words are flying, God can give you a calming peace in the midst of it all. You'll step back and say, oh, wow, God, that was something that you did. How do you impact people in your life? What do you do? I'll make this real simple as I close. Johnny is a 60-year-old boy. He had a friend who lived next door. His name was Jeffrey. Johnny and invited him to come over for they could just play together. So they're in, in, in his bedroom playing. The mother opens the door slightly and she says, Son, do you, you guys want some people to join the sandwich last enough? And he says, Yeah, that's great. So she prepares the, the food, brings it in, sets it on the on the little stand in the bedroom, and Jeffrey reaches and grabs the sandwich and starts to eat, and Johnny says, Oh no, 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 we, we, we gotta pray first. He said, what? He said, well, we got to pray. He said, we got to talk to Jesus and thank him for this food. He's like, yeah, about that. He said, how do I know God's will? He said, all you do is just pray and talk to him. He said, uh, God says, you just try it now. It's just me. Just talk to God. He said, okay. I'm going to try it. He said, you do that. So Jeffrey says, God, if you're really real, touch me right now. And Johnny reaches over and touches him. And Jeffrey opens his eyes and he says, I saw you do that. I saw that. He said, no, no, no. When you pray to God, he asked him to touch me. He asked me if he could borrow my hand. That's it. That's the workplace. That's where God has planted us. You say, Rachel, that's, that sounds nice, but you don't work where I work. I know. But just think for a moment. Every single life in here makes an impact of someone that we will never know. And look at your sphere of influence. Just this is the church. 
there would be multitudes more than the attendances here. Solomon gets it. If I believe God, if I really believe in Him, they'll make an impact in my life. Could I challenge you this morning? Do whatever you gotta do. If you need to do some self-reflect, do it. Say, you know, I've got some changes I need to make. There's some strategic relationships that are gonna have to change. There's some conversations that I'm gonna need to plug into. Other conversations I'm gonna have to step out of. Let God allow you to be impacted by the people in your life and, and really ask yourself. Am I clocked in? Am I really clocked in? Am I doing what God is desiring me to do in my life? And if I'm not, talk to me back. Say, God, what are the changes that I need to make in my life so I can make an impact on other people? Thank you, Pastor. what I heard. You're as spiritual as you want to be. Uh, that's a powerful statement uh, I just wrote down. I hope you'll remember.